guest this week is Cynthia Burnham, who is an executive coach and freelance facilitator based in the sunny town of San Diego. Cynthia focuses her work with leaders and executives, especially those transitioning to new situations, and is an expert in enhancing communication at all levels of the organisation. I came across Cynthia and her work when I read her book, The Charisma Edge. Please welcome Cynthia. Now, Cynthia, I know that short bio and introduction, there's more to you than meets the eye. So tell me a little bit more about your background and what inspired you to write The Charisma Edge? Well, as everybody has a complicated background. And aside from my corporate experience, I like to tell people that I am a Wall Street dropout. I'm a brain hobbyist. I spend a lot of time reading about the brain and the default settings of, of the brain. And I'm also a professional or semi-professional singer all of which comes into play when I realize when I realize my goal of trying to figure out how to help people make a larger impact and impression on the people around them. Yeah. And that's really, I, all of the pieces of my life came together to think about the charisma piece when I discovered that most people didn't understand that it's actually a learnable skill, that you can become more charismatic just by doing a number of things. Okay. Well, I found the book absolutely fascinating, as Thank you know, you. which is why I Thank reached you. out to you. And like you, I also spent time in the finance world. First 15 mm. years of my career was finance in the UK. And I can remember during that time, you know, feedback in general, not necessarily always directed at me, is you need more executive presence or you're not strategic enough. So let's start yes. with the fundamentals. I mean, what do yep. you mean by charisma? Well, first of all, there are two kinds of charisma. The way that I look at the, there are two kinds of charisma. There are charisma that I think of almost like a firefly that's floating around and it's wild and it's exuberant, but it doesn't do anything except attract people to it or attract other fireflies to it. Then there's what I think of as leadership presence and leadership charisma, which is having, in my mind, having the inner confidence and the external behaviors to influence other people to follow you in a course of action. So leadership presence is more about having people want to follow you and pay attention and listen to what you have to say in your message. Is that helpful? It is. Is this about just being nice then and likable? No, not, not at all, actually. It might be about being nice and likable. And I like to think that charisma is a neutral that it's, it's just a tool. You can be extremely charismatic and evil. Yeah. You can be extremely charismatic and scary. You can be extremely charismatic and incredibly endearing and warm. It's just how, you, how the behaviors come to be used to drive your particular way of looking at things. I like that because one of the couple of the phrases that stuck out for me early in the book was all sizzle and no steak yeah, and all hat, no cattle. And obviously I'm yes. English now living in America. So I'm yes. picturing the ranchers all hat and no cattle. It made me chuckle. So what you're saying, it's not enough just to have a lot of charisma. You've got to have the intellect, the, the, the technical skills to go alongside it. And to your examples there, use them for good, not Darth Vader like for evil. We hope, we hope, we always hope that it's used for good. That what I would say is that I saw, when I was on Wall Street in particular, I saw more people succeed without the, abil the technical abilities, 
those with the empty suits that we're talking about because we are hardwired to respond immediately to body language cues, to appearance cues, to language cues. And so we tend to make a we tend to make our opinions develop about people based on the surface. And I saw other people who were wonderful people who had terrific careers, great technical skills, and they got kicked out because of the fact that they couldn't make a powerful and compelling connection with the people around them. And I thought that that was wrong because they were, you know, fabulous, wonderful, incredible people and with a huge amount to offer. And the only things holding them back were things that had to do with the way that they allowed other people to perceive them. And not about changing who they are, but by showing up and owning the best version of themselves and recognizing that other people are not paying as much attention to your content as you think they are. Well, that's great, Cynthia, because that leads me to my next question. In the book, you structure it around three secrets to mm -hmm. de developing charisma. So you, can you tell me more about those three elements, the look, act, feel? Yes, the, the, they go from the outside in in a certain way, but in the reality is it's a feedback loop. That the first thing you have to think about is how, what, do, what are the factors that come into play that make people look more charismatic so that other people immediately receive them in first impression as being charismatic? then what are the actions you can take? What are the behaviors that you can take that come into play with that? And then how do you make your own attitude? How do you think about your developing your own attitude about things so that you feel more powerful and charismatic? And the good news is there is sort of a feedback look that the more you behave as if, the more you actually will feel those things mm -hmm. because your body responds, there's brain chemistry behind this, your body responds to your actions as much as your, as the other way around. I love that because when we teach uh, emotional intelligence at Sky Team, we use that feel, think, loop dynamic. Yes. And uh, when you're, you get hijacked, that um, think, exactly. feel loop gets broken and all we do is react in that moment to the emotions that are driving it. And so when you talk about look, feel, act and feel, it, it feels like common sense. But I know you talk about um, the logical brain and the horse running to the barn as the first yes. concept that gets in the way. Yes. Say more about that. So when, when you, the, the brain has essentially three parts that this is very simple, simplified. There is the brain stem that manages really basic functions. There's the limbic system that manages the emotional parts of the brain, and then there's the intellectual parts of the brain and the, in the, the cortices of the brain. And what we don't realize is that our brain is evolved from basic to thoughtful, and that, that the intellectual part of the brain that we think of as our self is actually like the rider on a horse. Mm -hmm. it, and the, the, the limbic system of the brain manages zillions of things. It's bigger, it's faster. I like to, I tell a story, and I think it's in the book, it is in the book, in fact, about when I was a little girl growing up in East County, San Diego, and I would go horseback riding. And I rode a horse named Ginger. And Ginger had something called barn fever, which meant that when she was out a mile or two out in the brush somewhere, she would decide she was hungry and now was the time to go back to the barn. She would take off at a run, leaving me on their back or yeah. kicking or bucking me on off. 
okay. on the run. And I, one time I went back and I asked my friend's father, because it wasn't my horse, whose name was Mr. Sears. And I said, Mr. Sears, how do I control this horse? And he laughed at me. And he said, never make the mistake of thinking you control any horse. The best you can do is trick the horse into thinking that you're in charge so it goes mm -hmm. where you want it to go. And that turned out to be a good lesson for me to think much more about the actions I was taking to trick the horse than just trying to ride the horse. And the same is true with the limbic parts of your brain, the emotional reactive parts of your brain. You have to overrule them. You have to trick them. It's kind of like when you get nervous of being public speaking or you think this is who I am, you have an intellectual ability to be the writer and say, no, I have a choice. I can show up as a different version of myself. I can show, mm -hmm. I don't have to give in to these emotions. I, I sometimes say, uh, a lot of people have dealt with a out of control four-year-old at some point in their life. Oh yes, we've all been that out of control four-year-old at some point in their life. <laughs> yeah, apparently I, I would throw temper tantrums in the middle of the street, apparently. Oh, would you? <laughs> uh, according to my mother. Oh, and yes. I, I don't remember. And you know that if you have an out of control four-year-old, you cannot reason with them. Mm -hmm. You cannot reason with the emotional parts of your brain, which is like an out of control four-year-old the most of the time. So you have to just be the grown-up and say, oh, well, I'm going to carry on. I'm going to act as if, and eventually that four-year-old will catch up. Eventually, I will trick the horse, if, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Does, yeah. does that answer your question? Yeah, more? it does. So it's knowing what the triggers are. Those stresses yeah. may not always, they won't go away, but the volume of them and the volatility of them mm -hmm. will reduce. So you can walk into that room full of strangers and network effortlessly. You can walk onto that stage when your mind's going blank and then find that you can deliver an eloquent yes. keynote. Whatever those stresses might be, you can be yes. your best, even if yes. circumstances might be causing you to be at your worst. And, and if, can I add to that, Maureen, because yes. there's something that, that I see all the time because I do a lot of coaching around public speaking. And one of the things that I see is that people believe the part of that part of their brain that is going out of control and they think it's something wrong with them. So when their mind goes blank, they go, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I'm gonna, they're all gonna laugh at me. And they have all of these inner messages going on in their brain that, is really just Ginger trying to get you off stage because her job mm -hmm. is to protect you, the, yep. the horse. And so instead of saying, oh my God, my mind just went blank, I'm gonna screw up, everything's gonna be bad, to say, breathe, if I could ask people to do one thing a million times over, breathe, get oxygen to the higher centers of your brain, and you'll remember, trust mm -hmm. your brain. You will remember if you give it space to remember. Yeah. And that's what I loved about your book, actually. The Thank 101, you. nine weeks and one day worth of tactics and recommendations yes. to ensure that we can all look, act and feel with charisma. Plus there's bonus exercises as well. But you start with two. Exercise number one, I sat there out on my patio last night as I was rereading the book mm -hmm. and it was the char charisma master switch. And yes. then you went on to talk about exercise two, the bright on model. So let's talk about those. Talk about this charisma master switch and then what's sure. the bright on model yeah the well first of all another quick story mm -hmm. 
which is a few years back, my husband and I went to a concert in Hawaii and it was a slack key guitar concert. Uh, and, and it was at the, the Ritz Carlton on Maui. Okay. And it was more like a family party than it was like a formal concert. The, the people would call people up on stage and people would come and dance from the audience, very informal. Well, we had been taken to our seats by a young man who I perceived as perhaps having learning disabilities or some sort of social awkwardness, very awkward, very stumbling around. And my husband perceived him the same way. They mm -hmm. thought maybe there was, there was something very awkward about him. But he was invited up to, to dance on stage. And my husband okay. and I, both we were like ready to clap and say, oh, honey, that's so good, like you do mm -hmm. at a yeah. kid's recital but he got up there and he stood in the light and he started to dance and it was like he got bigger and he got he began to move and he was so graceful and so powerful and so amazing that my we were just our mouths were hanging open and my husband turned to me and just goes he's like a hawaiian god and i and he, i said i went yeah and he goes he should be yeah. wearing one of those feather capes or carrying a torch yeah. and i thought well not at the same time because that would no. be a bad idea yeah. and i realized after that two things one is in the book and one is not the thing i realized that's not in the book is that we all have the ability to be our best self and that we have multiple selves multiple mm -hmm. selves that we can choose from what uh -huh. he did in that moment is he switched on the light on his best self. He, it was like he had a master switch, he stood in that light and it mm -hmm. clicked it on and he became his best self. So thinking about how, what do, how do I cue myself to be my best self? How do I make that choice to say it's showtime or now I'm on stage or whatever the message is and show up as that Hawaiian God instead of the poor, mm -hmm. awkward boy that I misinterpreted. I, in retrospect, he may have just been nervous. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what I think of is incredibly important is take that moment, give yourself a mantra of some kind that switches uh -huh. on that switch. Mine yeah. is, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I've got to say, what's your, yep. what's your mantra then? I have two. When I'm about to teach or when I'm about to work with people, one is, powerful, but always kind. Mm -hmm. And the second is, I am now in service. Because that's, I, I see my work as being a service that I, yes. to other people. So it's just to take that moment to remind myself that my job is to show up, not as just kind, but powerful and kind. And also that remember that my job is to be of service to other people. I love that. I'd not thought of the service piece because my team and I talk about that as we're getting ready to facilitate yeah, a program yeah. as well. And you're doing the last minute laying out of stuff and people are coming in and you know the nerves are starting to build. But there is, there's like an internal switch that goes yeah. on and then the, sh the show goes on. But to your point, it's I, I, you just described it perfectly and I hadn't articulated it before. My focus moves from inward where it's the knot in my stomach and it's the anticipation and the right. nerves to outward of service of helping those leaders to get that one nugget that's going to elevate their influence and their impact. So thank you. That was just like a penny dropping if you didn't oh, hear yay, it. Hooray, <laughs> it was like hooray. clang. I, so love, I love it. it. Okay. I, I, can, I can give you one more. Yes, please. 
because I, there's been several years since I've written the book and I've learned some other things. Yeah. And that, that one of the things that I do that I notice when I'm coaching in particular is that sometimes I lose my focus. And when I'm okay. teaching, sometimes I lose my focus. And then I become, then I go out of my best self, out of owning my best self. And the way that I bring myself back is I look right between somebody's eyes mm -hmm. and I think to myself, I send you blessings. Okay. And that brings me back to them. And it doesn't have to be a religious, if you're not religious, mm -hmm. you can send somebody blessings. They don't have to be religious. Mm -hmm. And in, and I find that putting the focus back on my, the person for whom I am there mm -hmm. helps me get out of my, get out of my own way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What's a long answer to your question? But. No, I like that one too. And your choice is, do you pick that friendly face in the audience or do you pick the one that's been giving you the most challenges and will, you know, wish them blessings through gritted teeth? I, I find it helpful to do that if somebody is giving me a hard time. I find yeah. it very helpful to mentally send them blessings because then I get out of the fight mode and get into the help mode. Mm -hmm. What always amazes me is the people that I may misperceive, and I'll use the word misperceive as giving me the hardest time, are invariably the ones that come up the end and say, oh my goodness, top shelf, that was the yep. best thing ever. And so yep. I love the cynic in the room at the beginning, the person who's going to challenge, because leadership is a journey and it's a personal journey. All we can do is provide tools and language and framework, but their choice is when and how they're going to dip into that toolkit and use it. Yep. And so that is... Cool. Go on. Please, go ahead. I was going to say your second exercise is the bright on model. Mm -hmm. So can you just close the loop on that? What what does bright on mean? Sure. And I'm going to show my book here. Oh, right yes. Here. The Charisma yeah. Edge. Mm -hmm. Thank you. The Charisma Edge. And I am going to read from it, if, you, if that's all right mm -hmm. for you. Please do. Give me a moment. I have to find page numbers on this. I would help, but I have the Kindle version, and so the page numbers are going to be all over the place, but I yes. highlighted the bright on model. <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, the bright stands is the way of thinking about making your inner light come out more. That's the way, the reason that I used it. And also, I'm an old hippie, so uh, right on, you know, comes mm -hmm. from the, those days. Uh, <laughs> the, the, first, the first and most important thing that you, you can do, if you hear nothing else, learn nothing else, that is breathe. And I know that sounds simple, mm -hmm. but breathing consciously and making, cueing yourself to breathe and actually having ways to make yourself think I am going to now take what a teacher of mine calls a conscious loving breath. Not meaning necessarily that you love all the people in the audience because I guarantee you don't, mm -hmm. but, but that you are, your body is loving the feel of the oxygen coming into it. So, I think of it as allowing a breath as opposed to taking a breath. So okay. if you take a breath, you go, <sighs> yeah. but if you allow a breath, and by the way, there's a three second lag between the, up to a three second lag between the emotional centers of the brain and the intellectual centers of the brain. So one breath, one conscious breath, gives your brain time to catch up with your emotional response. Okay. So breathing is important. Mm -hmm. So, and the second is your posture and raising your posture. That, yeah, that uh, some people call it being in stature, which mm -hmm. is another way to think about it. Because if you're like this, 
if I, you're coming in slump. and slump, you first of all, you close down your breathing mechanism. And second of all, you're smaller and charisma, unfortunately, size matters in charisma. Taller people are more charismatic, bigger people are more charismatic. And so you make yourself as big as you can and you also say, look like I will not be moved. Mm -hmm. So breathe, raise your posture, set an intention for yourself of how you're going to show up. Uh, I use, I use, I use the example in the book of, of, a, a, between these, the, the T, the I and the T, excuse me, remember and remind yourself why you're there, what your purpose is. And that is, again, that goes back to powerful, but always kind. These people need to hear this. They remind yourself why you're there, not, oh my God, I'm so nervous because mm -hmm. that won't help you. The second is, in your mind, tell your listeners how they're going to feel. Think, you're going to love me. In the book, I use the example of a cabaret singer who says, you are going to think I am so great that you're going to forget to order that I second bourbon. That story, yes. Yeah, yeah. Don't order the second yeah. bourbon. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and going out with the idea of they're going to love me. Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if you step onto the stage with the idea that they will, you increase the likelihood that they will. That they will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And finally, think about eye contact. And eye contact is getting increasingly difficult with the virtual. I mean, where the heck do you look mm -hmm. and all of that sort of thing. But we don't call it eye looking at people. It's eye contact. And so being mm -hmm. very, very conscious of your eye contact is extremely important. That said, eye contact is culturally determined. So there are some differences yeah. around the world. So I put that as an aside. So you, you breathe, raise your posture, set your intention. In your mind, tell your audience what they're going to think. Look somebody in the eye out there and then switch that switch on in your mind and step into whatever your performance is. Mind. Yeah, yeah. It's like lights, camera, action. Step into your truth, step into your power, yep. step into the role that you are in, become it. Yes. Embrace it. Not, not, and not just that. If you are powerful and charismatic and have an important message to give to people, then you need to allow the space and time for yourself to make that come forward. So you need to consciously take three, four, five seconds before you start. And I guarantee you, people won't notice. If you come up in front of the room, a lot of times people come in front of the room and they immediately start to talk. Mm -hmm. And I say, no, come to the front of the room, breathe, look at the person you're about to speak to, and then become fully in that moment. So my old hippie day thing, I imagine that when you walk up to the front of the room or you stand up or you do anything, your energy has a lag and it's kind of dragging yeah. behind you. You have to wait for that energy to catch up to where you physically are in, before you start and to breathe and to be thoughtful. So you show up at the best way possible for the people who are in your audience so that you can be in service and so that you serve to yourself and to them. Okay, I love it. So Cynthia, as we come to the end, hold up your book again so people can recognize the cover. But tell us, for those who are now excited and want to learn more, how can they get hold of you and how can they get hold of a copy of the book? 
if, well, first of all, the book, the easiest way to get a hold of the copy of the book is on barnesandnoble.com or, or amazon.com. Either one, just put in the title and it'll come up and you'll see the little flashy light bulb and mm -hmm. my name, How to Guide yep. for Turning on Your Leadership Power. There you go. And that to get a hold of me, and the information is uh, also on the back cover of the book. My website is uh, cynthiaburnham.com. And my email is cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at cynthiaburnham.com. And if you write to me, I will write you back. And that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Well, thank you, Cynthia. And to those of you who are listening and watching this, I encourage you, please add your comments below around what you thought. Please be an ally. I'll tell you more about that in another upcoming webcast, but be an ally for Cynthia and write a review on Amazon. I did immediately, five stars, loved it. Uh -huh. It's gonna be my go-to recommended you. resource for the leaders I work with that are looking to increase their influence and leadership impact. So Cynthia, thank you for sparing the time to talk a little uh -huh. bit about your work. And I look forward to the next book when that comes out. Thank you, thank, thank you. you. It was my pleasure, thank you.